this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. All right, Paco, we get it. You're recycling everything that's ever lived. Jesus. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season seven, episode two of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, That's What You Get, Folks, for Making Whoopi. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Beneath You, which is how you make Whoopi. Sometimes. I would say these episodes were not similar no well i mean i guess in a way it's about a character being upset that there's something inside of them that is a great point brian (laughs) like a parasite yeah and actually the one connection i did find involves unplanned pregnancy yeah the parasite is probably a worm and buffy's all about a worm i thought you meant like buffy the character fucking loves worms (laughs) she's she's super into them she's all about a worm well, before we dive into all that, do you have anything to announce? I said that up like you do. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't have anything to talk about. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> I don't know. How is your pillow life? I'm getting a new pillow. A lot of people have sent us suggestions. Somebody sent us, and this looks interesting because it looks like it's got places for you to put your arm on your pillow. It's the Elviros or Elviros cervical memory foam pillow. Okay. I'll put my head in the cervix. What's cervical about it? Is that a shape? Hmm. Is that the one you got? No. I end up getting the Brooklyn Bedding Talale. I don't know if that's how you say it. It's like a latex it's pronounced pillow. pillow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. My bad. No wonder you're having such a hard time finding pillows. <laughs> Spelling them way wrong. As of this recording, you don't have that one yet, but you gave up on the, the purple. Okay, so real quick, I just looked up cervical, okay? And its number one definition is relating to the cervix. Its second definition is related to the neck. I mean, can we just come up with a different word for a different part of the body? Huh. I guess it's like the, the passageway to an opening. Okay. I mean, in both cases. Sure. And then someone asks, what part of the body is cervical? And the answer is the neck. Okay. Well, I'm returning... The purple pillow. Okay, guys? It is very nice for side sleeping, but that's just not really what I do. I tummy sleep, and it's not good for tummy sleeping. At least the one I got wasn't, so I'm getting a smaller pillow. Thank you for all of your advice on pillows. So many people reached out with their pillow suggestions. So many. More than any other thing we've ever asked, really. (laughs) I know. It's like Spiker Angel crickets. What kind of pillow every person that's ever listened to the podcast (laughs) has an opinion? Were you trying to back sleep last night? No. You were back sleeping a lot. Yeah. You were snoring. What? I'm just telling you, since we're doing sleep secrets. Yeah, you like had your pillow in your lap with your knees up and you were laying on your back. That sounds insane. I did not intentionally do any of that. Sorry, I did my monthly snore. Should be. So embarrassing on the eve of the podcast. (laughs) Well, we will continue to keep you guys updated on our sleep situation until we do something more interesting with our lives. I feel like the best situation would be like a bridesmaid tummy. Speaking of bridesmaids tummies, we got some five-star reviews. (laughs) Seems like doesn't make sense to transition, but it does. First of all, thank you so much to Nina Blackheart Skullface from Italy, 
Is that her real name? Is that spelled out? Or they like those emojis? last two things were emojis. Okay. But Nina thinks my laugh is cute. Oh, that was nice. I like your laugh. Thank you. If I didn't, it would suck. <laughs> yeah, it'd be my, kind of a deal breaker. Also, thank you to Missy Misty Mountain. Missy, I think, is a little further behind in the podcast and referenced a joke that we had in an older episode. Right. I'm trying to remember what this is from. She wrote, go to Cleveland. Yeah, there's so many necks in Cleveland. So <laughs> I vaguely remember this, and I'm assuming it has something to do with The Wish, because we found out in The Wish that Cleveland also is kind of full of vampires. And by saying there's a bunch of necks, I mean, that's for vampires to feast on, for sure. Yes. We listened to a good chunk of the Wish podcast, and we couldn't find it. So I don't know if it's like in the Gilmore part of that episode, or if it's a few episodes later where we reference it. If you know Miss Misty Mountain, or anyone else that's listening to those older episodes currently, or recently, let us know if you know what episode that's from. We're curious. And lastly, thank you to Kaylee G., who really took our note of you can put anything you want in your five-star review and we'll say it because of the recent friend shout-out that we had. And I, I want to say that had something to do with your bridesmaids, which is why I transitioned into this. You put out an ad for bridesmaids. That's why I'm connecting this. Mm, not an actual ad. If anyone missed an episode and they're like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> no, this was all a weird convoluted bit. But Kaylee says, speaking of couples, if you're looking to make love connections, I'm a 27-year-old grad student who loves TV, books, poetry, and staying in. I'm interested in groomsmen or bridesmaids or anyone in between. That's fun. So Kaylee G is looking for love. If any of you are interested in any of that, give us a five-star review. <laughs> it's the only way to <laughs> find the love these days. the only way to find love. Statistics say that's how most people meet now. It's through our five-star reviews. Okay, well, should we talk about the episodes? Let's do it. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us all about That's What You Get, Folks, from Megan Whoopi. Long title. Yeah, it is. This episode is about the fallout, more fallout, of Luke and Lorelai having broke up and, like, how they feel about it. And also about Lane coming back from her honeymoon and having some news. News. Once again, this episode picks up right where the last one left off. Lorelai just told Luke that she slept with Christopher, and he angrily drove away. So we pick up with him driving to Chris's. I don't know how he knows where Chris lives. He's it's a great question. On the highway, like looking at a map. He's never been there before, but he apparently has the address. So he's he's driving there. He just goes straight up to his apartment, knocks on the door, and then just punches Chris in the face, and then just get in the elevator and leaves. Cue credits. That is a cold open. Yeah. Cut to if you're out on the road, feeling lonely. And so cold. Is this song about Luke? Is this what we've been waiting for this whole time? Because he was just on the road feeling lonely and cold. But I feel like Lorelai's not going to come if he calls. Um, I don't know that anyone's ever had this theory, but you might have something there, Brian. I think the show was building to this point to explain the intro song. Except it's kind of just the first line. Um, okay, I thought I was like going to really shake up the Gilmore community with that insight. <laughs> I'll post it in some groups on Facebook yeah, and see. I'm sure it'll really shake things up. So he just punches Chris and like, I don't know. I I don't, it doesn't bother me. Like, he, should he punch Chris? No, he should not punch Chris. But like, I get it. Yeah, how did you feel about it? I feel like you're more Team Luke than Team Chris. I feel like you're a little bit, Luke, you need to control your emotions better. So what were your thoughts? Well, absolutely. I mean, I feel like, is it good that Luke punched Christopher? No. Is it right? No. 
But, like, is it understandable, especially given the limited information that Luke has? Like, the last interaction he had was Chris. Was Christopher, like, saying, like, yeah, you with Lorelai for now, but, like, not forever. I'm with her next. Like, scheming to steal her away. And as far as he can tell, he did steal her away. Now, that's some assumptions on his part, but, like, I don't know. Yeah, there's not a lot to read into. Like, there's no way that Chris is, like, super on the up and up in this situation. He could have definitely have been like, maybe we should take some more time, Lorelai. Well, Lorelai, I'm assuming, told him that she and Luke were broken up. In which case, is it wrong for him to sleep with her? I don't know. If she's initiating, I don't know that it's wrong. Maybe a better solution would be like, hey, let's wait. But... Yeah, it's not wrong. It's just like not... It's it's not going to make Luke pleased. And Luke punching him in the face, again, not good. And so, yeah, I'll say wrong. I will say it's wrong. It is wrong. But, like, I, it's not. I, like, I get it. Especially yeah. because the reason that Lorelai, like, broke up with him was so seemingly, like, what? That, like, it, I could see Luke being, like, there must be more going on with Christopher. The only way Christopher's, like, super innocent in this is if, like, Lorelai lied and told him they'd been broken up for months. Right. And she only ever dated him to make Christopher jealous, you know, like, yeah, that would be something that could be true that Luke doesn't know. But like, I don't think Luke sees a lot of situations where Christopher did the right thing. In my head, I think Luke probably thinks that Christopher like pressured Lorelai to leave or like put these thoughts in her head because he had no idea Lorelai was having these thoughts because Lorelai never talked to him about it. Yeah, because kind of the whole episode, Luke thinks that she like wants to be with Christopher too. Or that they are together. Yeah. Back at the Gilmore house, Lorelai has made Rory some toaster waffles, probably because Luke's is currently a disaster area, and Rory is just double-fisted syrup all over these waffles. One's chocolate. One is chocolate? I didn't know. Okay, she's chocolate and syruping them, all while, like, weirdly licking her lips. (laughs) Like, go watch this scene. It's weird. It's not even like a lick of my lips because I'm hungry. It's like a weird, I don't know. Go watch it. She's a weirdo, man. Like, she's going to murder the waffle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I've said weird about five times. And it won't be the last. It won't be the last. Rory tells her mom that she's bummed because Logan isn't planning on having her there in England until Christmas. And we all know she wanted to go, like, for the whole summer. Lorelai says, well, did you tell him you wanted to visit him now? And I'm like, girl, take your own damn advice. Maybe tell your partner how you feel about things before you're upset about them. She learned a lesson. Did she? I just, I feel like she just doesn't understand stuff when it's about her own life, ever. She'll give advice to someone else and then just not take her own advice, ever. Rory confirms my theory that she does think that Logan needs some time by himself to acclimate to his new environment and become an adult. So she's like thinking, maybe it is a good idea for me not to go right now and let him be. She doesn't want to be a distraction. But now she's bummed that she isn't going to be able to go on that Asia trip that she had been planning with Logan all last season. She's like, oh, I thought it might not happen, but I held out hope. In my head, I'm like, I mean, really? I feel like the writing was on the wall for a while last season. But she's sad she's not going to be able to do this. She's a lot of research, and her mom picks up on this. Meanwhile, Luke is working on repairing his diner with TJ, who is being as worthless as he's ever been. Like, the entire every scene we see of them working is TJ standing around and being inappropriate and saying dumb shit while Luke does all of the work. It's pretty funny, actually, all the dialogue. TJ's, like, finishing a coffee. He's like, oh, I got you a coffee, but I thought you were going to be late. So, you know, I, I had your coffee. And Luke's like, but I'm not late. And TJ's like, yeah, but I thought you were going to be late. And then he asks Luke to get him another coffee. <laughs> it's all pretty funny. But they notice that Kirk has set up, 
like his own like knockoff of Luke's in the park. It's it's like a complete knockoff of Luke's. It's it's, <laughs> it's got like a logo. sign said Kirk's. There's even like it's very funny. There's even like a sign that says no cell phones that's like plastered onto <laughs> like a statue yeah. or pillar that's outside. Kirk's dressed exactly like Luke, as if he's going as Luke for Halloween. He's even kind of scruffy. Yeah. Which I guess we know Lulu likes that. Yeah, we know. Luke goes over there and confronts him. He's like, what are you doing? And Kirk's, Kirk is just like, well, I heard Luke's was closed. And so I you know, saw there was an opportunity to open a business. If you want, you can work for me here. He's like a total dick to Luke in this scene. And I honestly, it pisses me off. I'm being real. Sometimes the writing in Gilmore Girls bothers me with stuff specifically about Kirk. Luke has, on numerous occasions, gone out of his way to help Kirk with something. Whether it be a perfect date with Lulu or like helping him with his night terrors. Like over and over again, Kirk has tested Luke's patience and he's helped him. But then Kirk just like keeps messing with Luke and like is so mean to Luke. Like when he tried to buy the Twickham house or now when he's like essentially copying his business and being so rude to Luke. And I'm like, dude, do you have no compassion? Am I supposed to like you, Kirk? I feel like I'm supposed to like you, but you're a real selfish prick. (laughs) That's true. I will say this scene is, is very funny. He gives Luke an employment application and Luke just throws that in the ground and Kirk's like, you can't just throw that on the floor of a restaurant. <laughs> They're outside. I also like when he asks if he wants to step outside. <laughs> like they're going to fight. They are outside. So Luke's got a lot of things to be upset about right now. Lorelai, Kirk, and just anything TJ says. So there's like one thing I notice in this scene as well. We don't usually see Luke's from this angle, from where Kirk's diner is. We don't usually have the cameras over there. Yeah. There's a sign on the outside of Luke's that just says good like in like a yellow font on the other side of his diner. Cause it's on a corner, like next to where the ice cream shop is. It says food. It's like, those are supposed to go together. Like, you know, good food in this establishment, but they're like windows apart around a corner. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's weird to have that like good sign isolated. Yeah. I just never noticed that before. Cause we don't usually see that window all the time. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all when I watched it twice. The first time I was like, does that say good? And then later I saw the one that said food. I was like, oh, maybe both say food. But no, it's one says good. At the end, Lorelai and Suki are making all kinds of classic and questionably experimental sushi when Lorelai tells Suki that she told Luke. Lorelai says it was one of the worst moments of her life. And I'm just like, okay, well, you knew this was coming. You did this to yourself. Also, I like this because they're talking about different sushis. And there's a point to all this. It's not just for this scene. And we'll get to that later. But I didn't realize that at the time. Oh. I didn't know why Suki was teaching Lorelai how to make sushi. I was like, why, why would you do that? And then later That's it does make sense. Interesting. I guess I knew where this was going. Yeah, it just, it just seemed like they were having food fun. I don't know. I hated the suntan lotion joke. They addressed that it's a stupid joke. But I'm like, why did we need that? Yeah, they're going to put suntan lotion in the California rolls. What is the suntan lotion? Is it sour cream? Is it mayo? I think it's just a joke because they're California rolls. Yeah, but she gets something from the fridge. Oh, I thought she was just getting... Maybe you're right. I don't know. Whatever else was next. But just like, you wear sunscreen in every state. (laughs) At least when you're as white as Stacey and I, which is dangerously white. We white. Dangerously. I don't... (laughs) Just very white. Watch out. (laughs) We are all white. Lane and Zach are back from their honeymoon, which uh, was bad. Rory goes to visit. Apparently, Zach had them staying at some discount, rando, uncle dude named Pedro's B&B. And I'm putting B&B in quotes here. Apparently, Pedro just kept listening to the devil's music, as Zach puts it. But what does that mean? I feel like Zach would be into, quote-unquote, devil music. Yeah. 
So, like, is it literal, like, satanic lyrics? Which I feel like Zach would have a, no problem with. So I don't understand what he's even talking about. I thought that was a weird comment. Because he's always like, this rock and roll, you know, that's cool. Like, gr-, But, like, devil's music? All right, whatever, man. Maybe Mrs. Kim's really gotten in his head. <laughs> I guess. The whole trip was very bad. Zach got parasites, and now Lane is feeling sick, and they only were able to eat crackers while they were there. And even the sex, and they only had sex one time, was bad, very bad. Lane hated it. And now she thinks that sex is just awful all of the time and that women are just like pretending it's good because they tried to have sex like on the beach and like some weird pervert came around and there were crabs and there was sand getting into crevices. It was awful and she hates it. Now she thinks that sex is just like that all the time. Sex is always bad and that women are just lying about it for some reason, pretending it's good. I hate this because I just don't believe that Lane is dumb enough to believe this. Yeah, this is wild because Rory tries to convince her like, no, it's it's not bad. That sounds bad, but like, it's okay. It'll be better next time. To think that there's a conspiracy that all women are pretending sex is good. For what end are they doing that? I don't know. But like, okay, so women are doing that. But like your best friend, Rory, she told you about her sex and like, you don't believe her. Like as soon as a woman has sex, her cervix, be that in her neck or her vagina, <laughs> tell her that she's got to keep this a secret from everybody else. And like, why would Rory lie to her? Exactly. Well, I guess her mom told her it was bad. The two women she's talked to about it, one's got to be lying. And like, I feel like Lane is smart enough to know that sex for women the first time can't, I mean, for anybody the first time can be bad, probably is going to be bad. But for women especially, it could be additionally painful and uncomfortable. And I feel like you would go into your first time having sex with that knowledge and then think, the next time might be better, or the time after that might be better. But none of the problems she had with it were about that. It was all, like, the environment. Yeah. So it was weird. I, I didn't like this writing. I thought it was dumb. In fact, there's some choices in this episode that I'm not a big fan of. It wasn't like Zach was bad. Well, she kind of disses him because, like, he got scared of the crabs. Right. But, like, how far did they get before that happened? Like, was, was it all bad? But also, this could just mean Zach's bad at sex. Yeah. Let's, like, let's say the sex was bad regardless of the sand or the crabs. Yeah. That doesn't mean all of it's bad. It could just be Zach's bad. Yeah. I'm not saying that he is. Seems like you are. I just, I'm, it doesn't really make sense that she wouldn't try it at home first. Yeah, before. Because totally. she's just like, I'm open to a sexless marriage. She just like refuses to entertain the idea of trying it in a bed. Yeah. It's very weird. Um, it is very funny when Rory walks into Lane's house, Brian's wearing a giant sombrero. <laughs> just says, hola, yeah, Rory. Like, hola, Rory. Playing Soul Calibur. Get a new game, guys. Also, Lane, like, goes in to get some Tums from a bathroom. Does she have a private bathroom? It's, like, off her bedroom. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like they were all sharing a bathroom. I do think they set this up nicely, though, even though I have issues with this choice in the show. Zach says that Lane's not feeling well. And when Rory gets there, she's talking to Lane, and Lane is bummed about the trip. And Lane wants to talk with Rory about this outside so Brian doesn't overhear her bad mouth sex. And Rory's like, oh, aren't you sick? And Lane's like, I'm actually feeling fine now. She says it like twice, like, like weirdly, I feel fine now. And of course, later, we realize it's because she was feeling shitty in the morning when she was having morning sickness. Yes, Lane's pregnant. Spoilers. Spoilers. She's pregnant. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too, because I, I, I knew she was pregnant, but I was like thinking she had the parasite myself. <laughs> until right. It's like, oh, yeah, she didn't actually have a parasite. She's just pregnant. That explains why she got it later. Right. Speaking of pregnancy, 
Liz is pregnant, and TJ cannot stop telling Luke about how horny that is making her. It's so funny how TJ's just constantly like, Oh, your sister, she wants to bang all the time. Your sister, your sister, banging me, your sister. And Luke's just like, stop it, stop it. And then TJ's like, you should get Lorelai pregnant. I bet she gets so horny when she's pregnant. Luke can't take this anymore. He's just like, I can't do this. And so he's like, I'm going to go get some primer. But on the way, there's this awkward meeting between him and Lorelai. Very interestingly shot. Yeah, they're just it's it's almost like when Paul Anka and Paul Anka met in the street. It's kind of yeah. like that. There's some weird camera stuff throughout this whole episode, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it's new showrunner. Maybe. They cross paths and they have an interaction where Lorelai says, like, you know, it's okay to feel bad. This is awkward and it's not going to feel good. And Luke's like, you know what? I'm actually totally fine. He's like, you know what made me feel good? I punched Christopher in the face and it did great for me. I feel good. And I don't care who you date anymore. I don't care about any of that anymore. In fact, I guess it was a much bigger deal for you, this whole thing, than it was for me. I mean, you're the one that proposed in the first place, suggesting, like, I never would have suggested that. He comes across as super callous and mean in this interaction. Like, such a jerk. Because he's telling her he doesn't care, that he maybe never cared. Marriage he was doing, maybe because of her, kind of feeding her fear that he never wanted to get married. And acting like, you know, none of this meant, you never meant anything to me. But, like... Does anyone really believe he's fine? Does Lorelai really believe he's fine? Probably not, but she probably still feels bad that she hurt him, even if she knows he's, like, putting this on. He showed up at her house a day ago, showing her hours of work he put into preparing for whatever scenario she would need to satiate her whim of getting married that moment. Like, he clearly loves her, clearly cares about her. I mean, said all that to her. And she hurt him so much. He was in love with her. He was going to get married with her, wanted to have babies with her, wanted to buy a house for them to live in, fix up their house together. And in one day, because he wouldn't marry her in that instance, she just cut him off completely, stabbed him emotionally so hard. And he tried to make it right. Apologized, showed up, tried to make it right. She's like, nah, and I actually did the worst thing I could have ever done to hurt you. And we're supposed to pretend that, like, he's not hurt, like she doesn't believe he's hurt, but also, is what he's saying right? No, not at all. But, like, like, I don't blame this guy. He's hurt so badly. What is he going to do? He's hurt and humiliated. What is he supposed to do? He's he's trying to hurt her back because he hurts so much and there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah. His interaction here is so much more understandable than her interaction of just going off and sleeping with Christopher. Yeah, it is mean, but like I, I, everything you said is true. I think we're supposed to be like, how could you say that, Luke? Laura, that's hurting right now. I don't know. I didn't. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I think what you said is correct. I don't know that they're, like, trying to make us hate Luke. Because we get a lot of his feelings in this episode. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't know that we do. He's kind of not wanting to talk about it the whole episode. But I think we get enough. We, we see a lot of him. So I, I think we understand where he's at and that that was just him being defensive. Yeah. Luke goes back to the diner where TJ just keeps talking about him and Lorelai until it forces Luke to finally mention that they broke up. And then TJ hugs him really hard and says he's got to come over for dinner. And as much as TJ's like a dumb piece of shit, like this was nice because he clearly cares about Luke. I love the aggressive hug. Yeah. Also, he's drinking a beer from Kirk's. Apparently Kirk has a liquor license. How? Yeah. I, I he's don't... been open one day and he doesn't have walls. To be fair, he is very tight with Taylor. Sure, true. That's that's it. That's the answer. I was going to say, if anybody could make it happen, Kirk could. Rory gets home to find Lorelai has decked the house out to be Asian-themed. She set it up so that Rory can have, like, a virtual Asia trip here at the house. Like a sampler platter of Asia, I guess. 
Yeah, this is, of course, to help Rory get over her melancholy over missing her trip uh, with Logan. I'm glad that Rory points out that some of Lorelai's Asian-themed assumptions aren't particularly accurate because it lets the audience know that, like, Lorelai's just doing her best here. She's ignorant about some stuff, but this is just for her daughter. No one else is going to see this, and she's just not trying to mock any culture. She's just trying to, like, kind of celebrate it, even though she doesn't know that much about these cultures. Right. It's really quite sweet. They make a bunch of experimental sushis, including meatloaf sushi, which sounds gross, and dessert sushi also sounds gross. That's why Suki was teaching her earlier, and I'm like, oh, okay, we did set this up. And they're having a great time until Chris calls and leaves a message that Rory overhears on the answering machine, and she finds out that Lorelai slept with Christopher, and also it was on the night that she broke up with Luke. This doesn't go over great for Rory. She lets her mom know that sleeping with Christopher was super stupid, and she probably wants to say something like, this is why I told Dad to stay out of your life a couple seasons ago. And then Rory finds a way to make it about herself, and she's like, things were good between me and Dad. Did you mean to ruin that? I don't know how that would ruin things with her and her dad. If anything, it would make it better if they were a couple. I, I don't know. I guess that's not it true. It could make it awkward. If they become a couple, things could be better with Rory and Christopher, but then if they break up, things are just going to be worse. Well, Rory asks if they're together. She's like, ah, no, I don't know. I don't think so. And so I think Rory's just like, wow, what a stupid thing you did. Yeah. Like, Rory was begging them to get married in season one. Yeah. She was more naive in season one, though. She was, like, naive about her father. Yeah. She's pissed, though, that Lorelai's here playing Asia House with her while sitting on this bombshell and not telling her about that. I don't think, to be fair, that Lorelai was, like, doing this Asia thing to, like, distract Rory from that. I think she was just trying to cheer Rory up. Like, Rory almost phrased that, like, instead of telling me about that, you're, like, playing dress-up with me. I get her point, though. It's sort of like, well, this is, like, huge news that you know I want to know, and I'm gonna know. Yeah. And you're also hiding your own real feelings about everything right now, which may be, in a sense, sort of a defense mechanism for Lorelai to be like, yeah, I don't want to address those things, so I'm doing this playhouse with you. Yeah, it's a project to give her something to do. Lorelai insists that like, no one is perfect, and she makes a couple of references to hair mistakes that Gwyneth Paltrow made. And she's like, if Gwyneth Paltrow was making those mistakes, then what you know, chance do I have? Rory says that you slept with Dad about a dozen times and then storms off angrily. I want to point out, between the time that Rory got home and saw how decorated the house was, and when they're later eating the dessert sushi, she has put on a ton of makeup. At least, like, a ton of lipstick that she didn't have on in the first scene. So I don't know if they just, like, got dolled up for this, if that was, like, part of it, or if they, like, shot this on a different day. Right. If she was wearing a lot more makeup. She's just got, like, a ton of, like, lipstick and blush. And Lorelai has a decent amount, too, but I felt like Lorelai was wearing the same amount the whole time. I did notice in the scene that Rory seemed to have a lot of makeup on for some reason. Don't normally notice that with Rory. Rory goes over to Lane's to complain about what her mother did and finds Lane does have a parasite. She's pregnant. Why? Why? Why do we got to make more Zacks? We don't know Zach's the father. We Even do. a half Zach is going to suck. <laughs> I just, I hate this. I hate that Lane is pregnant. I hate it so much. I hate this choice. Now, I know uh, it's so fucked up to be like, like not that some, a woman getting pregnant is bad or ruins your life or anything. Not, that, not at all. It can be beautiful. But like, Lane is smart. And it just seems silly to me that after all this fear of sex that she would, like, mess it up the first time so badly. But, like, she she made a comment about not really f- knowing what to do with the condoms and stuff. And she said that condoms were maybe cheap or something, too. It's just, I don't know. I Like, we were going somewhere with Lane's storyline, and now we're not going to be able to do that the same way, which is fine. That's sort of the point of some of the show, right? That's what happened to Lorelai's whole life. Right. 
but like I just don't like Zach at all. And this is just like keeping them together. They're pinned together. Like marriage is gonna keep them together, but like this is ugh, Zach's gonna be a terrible father. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Zach is gonna be the worst father. We'll see. Do you think TJ would be a good dad? Yes. TJ is selfish and dumb, but he's he's not as like mean spirited as Zach. Yeah. And he's like optimistic. Zach is never optimistic. Anyway, Lane is about as pumped as I am about this in that she's not at all. She just says, that's what you get, folks, for making whoopee, which I guess she says to no one. She sort of just yells that out. I'm guessing it's a quote from something. Probably. There's an Ella Fitzgerald song called Making Whoopee. Okay. And that's a line from the song. Lane says she's not ready to have a kid. She's just not perfect enough yet. And Rory assures her that she'll be great at motherhood, and no one is perfect. She gives several more examples of mistakes Gwyneth Paltrow has made, just like her mom did. Like making the movie Shallow Hal. And then says no one is perfect, not even mothers. Then Rory sort of like momentarily glances to the side to let the audience know that she's having a revelation about her own mother. Neither of us caught that on the first watch somehow. (laughs) Yeah, but seeing it again, I'm like, oh, this is okay. We were both just like, why are they talking about Gwyneth Paltrow so much? That's two references. (laughs) But that's what triggers Rory to remember that her mom isn't perfect either. Rory gets Lane feeling a little bit better and a little bit more comforted. And then the two of them lay on the bed and bond over dumb famous baby names that was kind of sweet like i think Roy was actually being a good friend in this scene yes like trying to tell lane it's gonna be okay lane hasn't told zach yet right and this is hard for rory i think because rory's almost never had to be a good friend to lane so it's tough but i I think she was yeah i agree i I think she's also like shocked and doesn't super want this for lane but it, it seems like it's gonna happen so she wants to help her with it right A little bit of me wonders why they don't discuss abortion. I guess maybe that's not something you'd bring up. Like, are you going to keep it? I guess you would just, like, wait for them to say I'm thinking of getting rid of it. Not that I'm advocating anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just surprised that neither of them talked about the subject. Probably because it was a TV show. They're like, we're keeping the baby. Let's not muddy the waters with that. I don't really know where Lane stands, like, religiously and morally. I would assume she wouldn't want to do it just because of how ingrained premarital sex was in her head as being a sin. True. Lane's got a sparkle lamp. I had the same one. Speaking of people who aren't ready to have children, Luke then visits CJ and Liz for dinner. Liz is making a tuna loaf, which sounds disgusting. Maybe it's good, but it sounds gross, right? Am I wrong? I don't know. It depends what else is in the loaf. Like, tuna and breadcrumbs is like a thing, like a tuna casserole. I've never had tuna loaf. Maybe it's delicious. Just hearing it, though, I'm not excited about it. I'd rather have a meatloaf sushi. Like, loaf doesn't sound good. Loaf is a weird (laughs) word. But yeah. meatloaf is good. Yeah. We like tuna. We like tuna mm-hmm. casserole. Yeah, I like loaf. I'd try a tuna bread. loaf. Liz makes them all white Russians. She, of course, is having a virgin white Russian, which is just cream. Which that was is so gross. So funny. Because I was like, that's just cream. And then she makes the joke. She's like, just cream. She delivers the line so well. It's hilarious. Yeah. Also, DJ points out it's ironic that hers is a virgin. I guess calcium is super good for you when you're pregnant. So, I mean, maybe she is still into it. Yeah. TJ just keeps making jokes about Liz being pregnant and horny. He says, like, she's getting me liquored up. Yeah, I know where this is going. And then Luke hilariously and, like, like worriedly says, it better not. <laughs> I really like his delivery of that line. It better not. Because it seems, like, a little desperate. Like, what? Liz wants to talk about him and Lorelai. Luke doesn't want to talk about it. But Liz is gonna anyway. She says that she thought that Luke and Lorelai will never write for each other because they were never in sync. 
they make a lot of bad Star Trek references and about like being in parallel worlds or uni- like levels. I, I don't know that they know what they're talking about, but the idea is that they were never in sync. Number one, Liz, you have been shipping them since the moment you met Lorelai, so I don't believe that you don't think they were right for each other. But number two, for them not being in sync, I agree, and that's 100% just because the writers decided they weren't going to be in sync. <laughs> like, all the last season, it's just them not telling each other stuff. There's so much here. First of all, their apartment is so eclectic. There's <laughs> just yeah. random stuff everywhere. It's fu- I like that we see their place. It's kind of fun to know what they live like. Also, she compares their relationship to, like, the lake house. Is that what the movie is? She says it's like that Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock movie. Let's just look it up right now. The lake house, yeah. She doesn't say the name of the movie, though. (laughs) I was like, I bet one of them is talking about speed. Yeah, because TJ's like, yeah, yeah, that movie. And then he's like, wait a minute. It wasn't a house. It was a bus. I knew knew one of them was going to think they were talking about speed. Super funny. Luke says they broke up, not because they weren't necessarily in sync, but because they never belonged together, even if they both wanted that to be true, which is sort of reiterating what the therapist told Lorelai last season, which is funny because that was never said to him, but he has that observation. There's other weird stuff in here. Like, she points out that it was weird they never moved in together, and he was like, well, there was a logistical thing. No, there was weren't. there? They no. never said why he didn't move in. Yeah, I don't, to this day, I don't understand why he didn't just move in with her, like, I feel like they aren't, like, religious. We know Lorelai's not. Yeah. She also points out it was weird that he didn't tell her about April. That's true. <laughs> it's very that true. That is true, yeah. I agree on that point. That was a mistake he made, 100% on Luke. But, like, the moving in stuff, I don't really get why they didn't. But I also, you and I also talked about, like, I don't really quite understand why they didn't get married either. The tuna loaf never cooks. This is pretty funny. Liz goes, oh, the oven's broken. And TJ goes, still? And she goes, we forgot to fix it. I'm like, how did did TJ, did you just assume it would get fixed by itself? Was it her job to fix it? Was she supposed to call somebody? To be fair, Liz is doing a lot better than she used to be. (laughs) That's true. I just love TJ's still. Like, if my oven was broken, I would definitely know when it was running again. Yeah. It wouldn't be like a month later, like, oh, it's still broken? Didn't fix itself? So then Luke is like, guys, don't worry about making me dinner. I'll go to the store, get stuff, and I'll make you guys dinner on your burners. And I just hated that, not because of what Luke did. I'm just tired of Liz and TJ being such pathetic loser moochers. Liz is there for Luke emotionally. I give her that. And TJ, I mean, that's literally all he's got there for Luke is being there for him emotionally. (laughs) But, like, can these guys just, like, do anything right at all, please? Just, like, Luke taking care of them constantly. In a way, though, that is Luke's love language, He's not the kind of guy that's like, I'm going to hold you and talk to you about your problems. He may do that with Lorelai, but like, that's not who he is. But like cooking someone a dinner is his love language, I think. Works. Yeah, he, I think, enjoys cooking, so he doesn't really mind doing this. It's probably going to be better than whatever she was making. Well, he goes to the grocery store that's nearest to TJ and Liz's, only to find Lorelai who's getting ice cream, which is interesting because in the scene where she has the big blowout with Rory, Rory's like, you know, when you're sad, you get ice cream and you eat that while watching a sad movie while crying. You don't sleep with dad. And here she is grabbing some ice cream. She'd also mentioned they were out of ice cream because they were going to try frying it at the Asian party. Right. You're absolutely right. So she's getting ice cream and they see each other. It's kind of interestingly shot too. There's like long hallway in this grocery store that we didn't know existed just a huge regular grocery store she's avoiding dozies i guess yeah she says like oh it looks like we're both avoiding running into each other at dozies and he's like nah this is just closest to tj's luke tells lorelei though that he knows that he was a jerk earlier 
And it wasn't that he felt that way. It's just that he was mad. He's still kind of mad, but he was mad. And he said those things because he was angry. But eventually he'll be okay, even if he isn't now. He says that it isn't her fault. It isn't his fault. They just weren't meant for each other. And they can go back to what they used to be. She's Lorelai, and he's just the guy that pours her coffee. She takes all this like a punch in the face. I guess that's just what Luke's doing. He's punching the people that hurt him in the face, physically and metaphorically. Yeah. She just doesn't look like she's taking this very well. She says okay, and then leaves to go cry at home with that ice cream. You can tell Luke's not happy with the interaction, though. Yeah. Rory finds her at home, mostly because the couch has been moved for feng shui purposes. And as soon as you open the door, you can see your mom crying on the couch. Uh, She finds Lorelai crying, and she just sits next to her and holds her. That's the end. Yeah, that's, that's the end. It's so weird. I feel like Luke wouldn't take it this well. I don't know that he is. I mean, I feel like he would just be like, I can't even look at you, Lorelai. Like, I can't even. I mean, his whole life has just come crashing down. So maybe he's just like, doesn't have the energy to be angry. Well, when we've seen him break up before with Nicole, he went and like punched a truck or something, right? Kicked a truck. He likes to punch and kick things when he's hurt, which he's done. We don't really know what his next step of grief is. It's true. Just continuing to work, I guess. I want to point out, though, that like something the show doesn't do that I thought might be interesting is that like Luke had issues with his last marriage. And like, why didn't like Lorelai use that as ammunition or at least as evidence as to why she might think he's dragging his feet now? Because in his last marriage, there was this weird thing where he's like, yeah, we moved in together, but like they didn't. Right. Maybe he just doesn't want to live with a woman. (laughs) Always touching my tools and shit. I mean, it might be hard. He's like always lived alone to suddenly have to share a space with someone. I suppose. I mean, he lived with Jess. Yeah, but Jess is like a mini Luke. Sure. Probably wasn't there a lot. I feel like there was something the writers could have done to like utilize that to justify why Lorelai felt the way she did about Luke or like throw that in his face. Like this is just like with Nicole. Like what does you deal with commitment? Although he like told Lorelai I'm all in so hard. So yeah, I just don't know. After like no time. Yeah. So here we are in the season. We're dealing with the aftermath of last season. I'm not happy about it. I don't love what's happening in this episode, honestly. I'm going to ask you if it's a good one, but I'm like poisoning the well right now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's it a good one? <laughs> um, I hear you about it not being good stuff that's happening, maybe. But I think it was a good episode. Like, Lane being pregnant kind of sucks. Her having sex one time and hating it kind of sucks. But I think those scenes were done well. It was nice to see Rory be a good friend to Lane. Yeah. I like when Rory calls out her mom, mm-hmm. but it was nice that she came back and comforted her in the end. Yeah. Liz and TJ were super funny. They were. I mean, just like any Gilmore Girls episode, it's got solid jokes throughout the entire thing. Solid jokes. Almost every episode of Gilmore Girls has at least like six very good jokes. And you care about the characters. It, you're right. The like Rory calling her mom out was nice. It was good drama. It was like impactful. I'm just like, this mess we're in just seems so contrived. Yeah. And like, we don't need to be here. I don't believe that the characters would have gotten here. And like, the lane thing is only the next step of that. Like, the I was like, oh, we're doing more stuff that I'm kind of like, wait, what? All right. So, yeah, I agree. The choices they're making are sort of annoying. But I enjoyed the way they presented what they wanted to tell. Yeah. I have a prediction that Lane is going to grow to love sex since we spent a lot of time in this episode talking about how horny being pregnant makes you. So I think she's going to get really horny and like she's going to find out she loves it. That's interesting. We'll see. All right. I've said my piece. Maybe now we should move on to a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharted. 
Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its INDB summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 7, Episode 2, The Bear Witch Project. Jesus Christ. I mean... <sighs> What'd you expect at this point? I mean, I, you're right. When a magic school student summons Lady Godiva like the chocolate? The entire status of women changes in the Charmed One's reality. The sisters must keep Lord Dyson from killing her before she can return to the past and complete her famous ride. I think it's pronounced Godiva, but do you know anything about her? No. Let's I guess we gotta Google look it her. up. Lady Godiva. Ooh, she's beautiful. Oh, is this the chick that went with no shirt on? Like she would, yeah, she was the well, one with the long hair. Well, Bear Witch sounds like that could be the case. Oh, yes. Okay, so she, Lady Godiva is the lady that would ride a horse with nothing on and like sometimes her hair would cover her. But why? She wanted to get the taxes lowered or some shit. And there's like the most famous case of voyeurism. There was like a peeping Tom that watched her do it. I mean, if you announce that a woman's going to ride naked through the town on a horse, someone's going to look. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, uh, don't look. Well, why are you out? Why, we, why are you making me deflect my vision? Don't make it a freaking event then. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of reality Miss Kim was warning us about, okay? Women can't be riding horses non-side saddle or else you're going to be changing realities. I guess so. Listen, if I'm naked on a horse and my bit and jangles are all out in the wind, <laughs> you have every right to at least be like, wait, what? Take a look to be like, what is happening? I just want to make it clear. We, we as a team don't call them his bit and jangle. <laughs> something he just said for the first time. Something also is happening outside our window right now. We're just going to push through. Oh, my God. It's a naked woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's riding a Doberman. What? Yeah. But not how you think. Dogs are big in New York. <laughs> She's very tiny. Too. Apartments are small. Dogs are big. Okay. So Phoebe is still teaching at magic school. When a child, I bet it's the goth kid that we said would come back. Yeah, it's the goth kid that we better mention now so we don't forget. All right, Paco, we get it. You're recycling everything that's ever lived. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why I said lived either. That's <laughs> Well, now they know his name, too. They're going to come find us. Yeah, Paco's our landlord. We've mentioned him before. One time he just came into the middle of our apartment and just like hammered the wall down. <laughs> I don't know if that made it on the pod or not. It did. To be fair, he's not the landlord. He's the superintendent. You're right. So he doesn't <laughs> even own the building. those guys could do whatever they want. Okay, so the goth kid summons Lady Godiva because he wanted to see a naked woman. He's a teen. What do you expect? Yeah, what do you expect? But this, of course, changes the entire status of women in the Charmed One's reality. Before, women were equal. Now, they are better than equal. They're better than equal? I would say before they were slightly under equal. There, there was some misogyny happening, I think. So now women are just, no one's wearing clothes. Yeah. They've all got super long hair. And like some of it's kind of cool and empowering, but a lot of times it's women tripping or dying horribly in escalators. But it's empowering. It's, like, it's empowering. <laughs> dudes are like, please, ma'am, after you. <laughs> Mostly because he doesn't want to trip on her hair. So like, yeah, get ahead of me. I don't want to. <laughs> the goth kid is just. He is more horny than he can even handle. He thought this would be like, maybe he'd get some. But he's just like, he's, he's like catatonic now. He can't even process all these naked women. Wait, so women are doing better than they used to do. Yeah. But then the charmed ones uh, gotta go fix this? Well, no, they have to keep Lord Dyson from killing Lady Godiva. 
Because if they kill her, everything will go back to how it was, and women will just be regular. So they want to keep things better for themselves. Yes. Okay. Wait, did Lord Dyson also come back to the future? <laughs> yeah, they're kind of a duo. So Lord Dyson's going to kill her, but they need to send her back to the past to make sure she does this famous ride, or the goth kid wouldn't have known she existed, and she would have never come here and made things better for women. Okay, so this is like a time paradox thing. Yes. Like the time microwave SNL sketch. Google it. I like it. Yeah, we, we just watched that. We'll put it down below. So uh, they keep Lord Dyson from killing her by asking him nicely. Yeah, and he's like, oh, oh, I, oh sure. If you're gonna be, I expected a fight. No one's ever asked me something nicely. So she goes back. She does her famous ride. And women in this reality are just naked all the time with long hair from now on. Okay. If they want to be. But some choose to wear clothes. They often do. But it's not weird if they don't. This is Ben. Meanwhile, on Charmed. Then we watched Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about Beneath You. Well, in this episode, we meet a new lady who's having some trouble with her ex-boyfriend and her dog. And we learn a little bit more about what's going on with Spike. Not really. And Willow might come home, right? Yeah. So it opens on the Tattoo Nightclub in Frankfurt, Germany. A girl with pink hair is running for her life from two cloaked figures, just like how the last episode started, except this week there's techno music blasting, and it sounds like someone on the track is whispering Antifa. It does sound like they're saying Antifa. (laughs) They end up cornering and tackling this woman. Again, they raise their little knife, but this time we actually see them stab her. I guess we don't see it, but like they get up and walk away satisfied. Because last time it just like cut away when we saw the knife. Mm -hmm. But as she's presumably dying, she says in a distorted voice as she turns to face the camera, from beneath you, it devours. That's not good. No. Buffy wakes up screaming. Dawn is shaking her awake. Apparently Buffy saw and heard this pink haired woman in her dream. And she suspects there are more women out there like this one who are going to die. And she stares out the window to think about this. Like she's going to somehow see these women in the street. Do you think she saw the woman from last week in a dream? I don't know. But then rumble, rumble, Sunnydale shaking, and we see like a ripple of concrete being ripped up just under the surface. Like there's a really fast, angry cartoon gopher on the loose. You know what I mean? Yeah. At Spike's new house, a.k.a. the basement of the school, Spike's just chilling with some rats. He's telling a rat or the voices in his head that now's not the right time. People won't understand. When he too hears the rumble, rumble, which he really doesn't like, that covers his ears and screams. The next day, Xander is driving Buffy and Dawn to school. Dawn's like very excited that Buffy's going to be working there, but is simultaneously worried about her embarrassing her. Like, make up your mind, girl. Yeah, what? (laughs) Buffy, as you may remember, is going to be dealing with troubled kids in some capacity. The details of the job are still unclear to all. Xander makes a joke about dealing with unwanted pregnancy. Interesting connection to Gilmore Girls. Mm Mm-hmm. But Xander's really sweet and points out that these kids are going to be really lucky to have a Slayer and a friend on campus. And he hopes that they appreciate it just like he did. That's nice. They're friends again. You liked this, you said, because, I don't know, him and Buffy are kind of all each other has right now. Yeah, totally. And Dawn, I guess. Xander also mentions he's ready to start dating again and that he's seen Anya around the bronze a few times looking for scorned women to help with vengeance. We're going to talk about this in the episode. It's insane to me that... Anya, for one, is still in Sunnydale. And for two, that, like, Buffy is not, like, it, like that they're all kind of just fine with her doing vengeance. 
Yeah, I mean, really, Buffy should probably try to kill her, right? Absolutely. Like, without a doubt. Like, we're all like, well, we like Anya, so no. But, like, Anya's spells, they're never fair. You know, like, you could pick the worst, you know, partner and, like, yeah, they deserve a really bad thing. But, like, a lot of times it's like, oh, he cheated on me. Okay, well, now he's literally a slug forever. Or he's a troll. Or, you know, it's like, that's not fair. Like, would you be fine with, like, Lorelai being turned into a troll because she slept with Chris forever? I mean, it'd be cool if Star's Hollow had a troll. <laughs> they do. It's dosy. <laughs> and some of her spells, besides the fact that they are just inherently unfair and, like, overreactions to things. Besides that, like, some of her spells are, like, reality-altering. Well, Buffy's kind of got a I-don't-kill-any-bad-guys-that-were-once-in-the-group policy. I guess so. She should at least threaten Anya, like, you need to stop. Or I'm going to kill you. Spike, Angel, Anya, Oz, Faith. She tried to kill Faith. Faith is human. They all? No. Is Oz human? Is a werewolf a human? I, she might kill him if he becomes a werewolf and attacks her. Yeah, I think if Oz was like trying to kill Xander, she would kill Oz. Yes, if she had to. At school, Principal Wood. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Robin Wood. Minor character. We don't even need to worry about him. I doubt that's true. What? He is easing Buffy into her job. She asks why she even has this job since she hasn't finished college yet. He assures her that the students just need someone who understands them and that he needs someone who understands the students. But he's like, why? Is there something else I should know about you that isn't in your file? He might be evil. We don't know. She's like, nah, nothing at all. But he's got to go deal with some bad kids. So she heads back to the basement to figure out the deal with Spike. But it seems like it's just his rap friends now. He's gone. Meanwhile, in England, it's raining. Giles is called... <laughs> hey, back in Sunnydale. Back to Sunnydale. <laughs> Giles has called Willow a cab because it's time to head back to America. You can't take a cab across the ocean, Giles. <laughs> We're not teleporting her to Sunnydale? Yeah, he's forgotten how to get there. Willow doesn't want to leave, probably because she knows she's going to drown, but <laughs> she says... British taxis are different. <laughs> But she says it's because she doesn't feel like she's done here yet. He asks her what she's actually afraid of. Well, for one, the rumbly hellmouth, which she now knows has teeth, and TBD if those are literal teeth or not. Her words, and mine. She's worried that if she has to fight the hellmouth, that she'll have to hulk out and she'll become Dark Willow again. But she's maybe mostly worried that her friends hate her. Giles said she could stay here another two years, and there'd still be no way of knowing if her friends were still her friends. Or you could, like, call and do a vibe check, though. Are there no yeah. phones in England? Like, can't she just call Buffy and be like, we good? I'm thinking of or coming over. Call Xander and then be like, how's Buffy feeling? Right. Send an email. I, I don't understand. There's no way to know. Right. But he tells her that even if she isn't wanted in Sunnydale, she will be needed. And he tells her to trust herself and that the others might follow. And then he puts her under his umbrella and leads her to her cab. I was so stressed out about the fact that the cab was waiting this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta go, Willow. But this is a sweet scene. Giles is so nice and, like, patient with her, considering she, like, tried to kill him and everybody else. Right. But I fear we won't see Giles for a few episodes now. Later that night, in Sunnydale, we see a lady walking her dog when the dog gets eaten by the ground. She's still got the leash in her hand, and something from the hole drags her over. And then something pops out of the ground that we don't see. She's afraid. She goes running and then bumps into Xander. He takes this lady, Nancy, back to Buffy's house. And she tells them all about what she saw. 
She says, you hear things living in Sunnydale, but nobody actually believes any of it. Why, though? (laughs) Dude, I mean, the news is like, uh, another 12 neck bites today. (laughs) Nobody believes it? We all lost our voices for an entire day. No explanation. The principal got eaten by the mayor at graduation and the school blew up. Did that not make the news? Dude, there's a there's another episode later on where Buffy talks to an old classmate who is like, oh, vampires are real. And it's like, dude, I mean, were you not at graduation? <laughs> like, who left graduation thinking the supernatural isn't real? I, I just like, if they would justify this with, you know, there's some kind of thing that makes you forget. Yeah, like an It, the movie It. Yeah, but they don't. That and Buffy not getting paid are like two major flaws with the show. Yeah, agreed. I would say this show's like way better at continuity and plot hole stuff than Gilmore Girls overall, but there's like two major plot holes that overarc everything. Because she pitches telling the cops and Xander's like, and tell them what? Implying like the cops won't believe them? The cops just saw Willow like tear down the police station with her with mind. With mind, yeah. Episodes ago. <laughs> and they still are doubting the supernatural? I don't know. They need new cops or something. I mean, they probably do. They probably go through cops pretty quickly. <laughs> they probably, like, every week, it's like, I'm brand new to Sunnydale. What's going on here? The test is just, are vampires real? Nope, you're hired. <laughs> yeah. And they just, they just show little, they show a bunch of, like, photos of people with holes in their necks to the new detectives. And like, what's your guess? And they're like, uh, tiny gun. <laughs> Doesn't look like anything to me. It's from Westworld. Mm. The sky opened up and monsters from other dimensions appeared. <laughs> a know? dragon showed up. Did no one see that? Whatever. As they're talking, Buffy remembers the words from her dream, from beneath you it devours. Suspects that might have something to do with what tried to devour this woman from beneath, and they decide they better round up the gang. Unfortunately, they realize this is the gang. Mm. Buffy, Xander, Dawn, and this Randall lady. That's all they got. But then suddenly, Spike is standing there, untimberlaked, in a tight blue shirt, so... Very tight blue shirt, like uncharacteristically tight, like he's a superhero. Yeah, it was nice. It's interesting that Buffy didn't have Willow and Tara did the uninvite thing after what happened in Seeing Red. There was not a lot of time, but there was a little time. Seeing Red, the bathroom thing happens. She goes to like the carnival place to fight Morin, and then it's like the next day. So like they could have done it at any point during that time. Well, she might have been like, they're banging and getting back together. Maybe I should just leave them alone. If Spike comes in today, I can take him. Yeah. That's true. I also feel like she felt like Spike wasn't going to try it after that. He even references the fact that she has the ability to do that. Like, yes. He's like, I'll leave and you can do that if you want. Also, I don't know that only they can do it. Like, you'd think they'd all know how to do it at this point. Yeah, you think they'd have instructions. <laughs> yeah, just like by the door. <laughs> a little yeah. packet of sage. But Spike says he's there to help. He seems normal. Like, he, he seems like how he used to be. Maybe even slightly nicer. Buffy's kind of like, what's up with that? Last time I saw you, you were a total mess, which he also admits. He specifically mentions that Buffy saw him living in the basement of the school. So Dawn kind of gives her eyes like, uh, why wouldn't you mention that? Xander and Dawn obviously hate that he's here, especially that she hid that he was back at all. It's pretty funny because the woman's just sitting on the couch taking in all this drama, not really know. knowing the backstory in any of it. Like they cut to her one time. <laughs> She's just looking around like, okay. Yeah. So Buffy and Spike talk privately. He lets her know that he can tell something evil is brewing. And he figures her slayer senses know that too. She's like, yeah, I don't love that you're here. I don't know that I trust you, but you're right. Something is coming. So Buffy announces they're all going to split up. Her and Spike are going to go check out the puppy hole. And Xander's going to drive this woman home. Xander, by the way, is like trying to make things happen with this woman so far without much luck. But it might be because she thought Buffy was his girlfriend. 
She seems pretty flirty later. Yes. I, I think it, the only reason she wasn't flirting back is because mm-hmm. she thought Xander was with Buffy. Yeah. But he tells her this is not the case. Buffy assures Xander she's not worried about Spike because even if he tries something, she knows she can take him. Dawn's, of course, staying home. But staying home alone is a step up from needing to find someone to babysit her. Yeah. That's the end of Dawn, I think, this episode. Yeah, she dies. Cool. <laughs> Before they all leave, though, Dawn pulls Spike aside and threatens to burn him in his sleep if he does anything to her sister again. She means it. Yeah. So Buffy and Spike go to investigate the scene. Buffy asks him why he was, like, insane the last time she saw him. And he says that the ghosts got in his head and were kind of controlling him. At this point, we don't know why he's acting normal. So maybe that was true. I kind of doubted that was true, though. He asks her to hold the flashlight, but when their hands briefly touch, she has a flashback to the bathroom and seeing red. And she tells him that if this is him trying to get them back together, it's not going to work. What he did was like unforgivable. And he's like, I totally get that. I'm not trying to get you to forgive me. I just want you to know that I've changed. She's like, yeah, I believe you. I just don't know what you've changed into. Like, I know you're hiding something. He's like, you're right, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just here to help you however you want, because honestly, I've got nothing better to do. Which is true. Xander's gotten Nancy safely to her door, and there's kind of this awkward moment where they're not really sure if he should leave or, like, they should talk more, come in. But then she straight up tells him she's hitting on him and wants to call him sometime. Must have been quite the car ride. (laughs) He cracks some real good jokes. (laughs) Like we said, she wasn't not interested before. I think she just wasn't pursuing him, but Mm -hmm. it now almost seems like he's maybe going to kiss her or something. I don't know. They definitely don't want it to be done. But they're interrupted by another crazed gopher. The (laughs) lobby of her apartment gets all ripped up. And then a huge toothy penis worm pops out, growls at them. It kind of looks like an old movie or something. It looks fine. It just looks like it's like from a different era. Yeah, it's like a graboid from Tremors is what it looks like. I want to say this about season seven of Buffy. Okay, I love this season so much. But this season, I feel like they really embrace cgi more than any previous season and it's not good and this this snake thing slug demon looks okay i think yeah i thought it looks better than most snake demons they try to do this is the pinnacle of their snake cgi rendering technology but there's some other cgi this season that i'm like could you we couldn't have done something practical for that (laughs) you'll see like some of the stuff we you and i could literally do better right now in our, our computers it is 20 years later so there's that There's that. So this thing's growling at them. That's all he wanted. He goes back in his hole. Nancy's freaking out. And then she reveals that she's got this abusive ex named Ronnie, who she's been trying to get rid of after their breakup. And she says that all she could do was just wish it would stop. Xander's like, "Uh uh-oh, she's been to Anya. Conveniently worded stuff to say. Yes. Cut to Anya, holding office hours at the bronze. She seems to have had a bunch of drinks. Like She's got a ton of empties. And she seems annoyed with this girl she's talking to for not phrasing her boyfriend qualms in the form of a wish fast enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then they're interrupted by the whole crew. Xander, Buffy, Spike, Nancy. Anya admits she turned Ronnie into a worm to meet her quota. But she feels just awful when she finds out that Ronnie ate a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so the dog massacre line from the last episode was foreshadowing this episode? <laughs> It's just one, but I guess. We don't know how many died. <laughs> he he might have killed the other dogs looking for this one. It's revealed to Nancy that Anya is Xander's ex and that she slept with Spike. She's like, is there anyone here who hasn't slept with each other? And we find out that Ronnie's not a worm like Nancy wished, but a slugoth demon. 
which is a play on words, by the way, for Shoggoth Demon, which is an HP Lovecraft creature, which is not a worm. That's a dole or a Cthulian. But anyway. But Brian's not a dork, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> did I say Slogoth? I said it right? You did. It's a play on words, though, for Shoggoth, which is... Uh, that's what I thought. I, I knew about the Shoggoth from the games. Oh, you did? Okay, nerd. <laughs> you made me play. I love it when you play. <laughs> I would never have known if it wasn't for you. Thank okay, you. listen, girl, who's watched how many Voyager episodes? All of them? Yeah. Okay, you're a nerd too. That's the extent of my nerddom. But yes, Anya says that she embellished Nancy's wish for Ronnie to be a worm. Technically, she made him a worm, even though Nancy had something smaller in mind. This scene weirdly had a lot of exposition. Like some of it, it felt really heavy handed in some places. I'm not sure if it's for our benefit because it's still early in the season or for Nancy's benefit. Like Spike tells us he's a demon, I guess, just to catch everyone up on that. Like he says it to Anya like she doesn't know. Right. And he starts to threaten Anya to reverse the spell. But she can tell that he's got his soul back. She doesn't say this. She's just like, oh, my God, how did you do it? I can see you. It shouldn't be possible. How did you get it? But Spike doesn't want anyone to know this. So he just starts beating the shit out of her. This like feels bad, but I guess she is a demon. Yeah, it's the thing where he is just attacking her even though she's done nothing really. Yes. But she is a demon, and I, I think she's stronger than a vampire and can take punches. Yes. There's like murmurs from the crowd about this being messed up, that this woman's just getting slapped. These people have clearly never been to the bronze before. <laughs> yeah. Some people are like, someone should help her. But everyone just watches. They're not sure if they believe this or not. They'll forget about it tomorrow. I guess. Nancy's kind of like, yeah, I'm done with these people. <laughs> just slips out the back. Anya punches Spike back, though, super hard. He goes flying into the pool table. He's like, awesome. Let's have a bar fight. Buffy's like, Spike, you haven't changed. And then she starts punching Spike. He goes vamp face and starts saying a bunch of mean stuff to her. Xander, at this point, has noticed that Nancy's gone. So Buffy's like, whatever, I'll deal with you later. She goes to find Nancy. Nancy doesn't get very far when Rumble Rumble, Ronnie's back. She's climbing up this fire escape ladder, and right when she does, the rumble stops, but then her ladder starts breaking. She's going to fall. Luckily, Buffy and Spike are running towards her, across the building tops. Xander stays back at the bronze, trying to convince Anya to reverse the spell. She blames this all on him for leaving her at the altar, and he's kind of like, that can't be what you use to justify your actions for the rest of your life. Like, yes, I, I did that, but like, this is kind of you now. Right. Meanwhile, outside, the ladder's still breaking. Ronnie comes bursting out of the ground. Buffy comes in swinging on a rope like Tarzan to save her. Where was that rope? Hang yeah, Is Riley up there somewhere with like a device? <laughs> they land safely in a dumpster. Ronnie pops up again. Buffy's like, okay, I guess I gotta figure out how to fight this thing. But then Spike hops in to fight it instead. He's got like a rebar. I don't know. He grabs some kind of pointy metal thing. But at that moment... Anya must have changed her mind, and the worm demon changes back into Ronnie right as Spike goes to stab him. Mm-hmm. So Spike stabs this guy, probably not fatally, but it hurts his head because of the chip, and Ronnie's a human now. So this also hurts Spike's feelings. Yeah, I mean, he he's feels bad about what he did, too. It's not just the chip. Right. Like, he immediately says sorry, and then he starts freaking out, like, asking for help. Buffy's like, what are you talking about? This guy needs help. And like, he's slipping back into the way he was last episode. Mm -hmm. So it becomes clear that he was like holding himself together somehow. Mm -hmm. But since he has a soul, the fact that he just hurt a human is like doing a number on his psyches. However many he has at this time. <laughs> <laughs> 
he starts having like a fight with himself because again, it seems like there might be more than one entity up in there. Well, we know that there is at least. It's yeah, the demon and his soul. You like his demon? Yeah, that's still in there. We got that's established. I think that's kind of confirmed in this episode. Yes, but th- there's maybe also something else in there. Well, I can't speak to that, but we know that any vampire with a soul, which we have two examples of right now, the demon is still in there. That's true for Angel, right? He yeah. Just... Remember in the Dark Age, he that demon like takes his body and then fights the demon inside of his body. Yeah. He's just gotten really good at suppressing it. Yeah. Buffy calls the ambulance, and as they wait, her and Nancy kind of just watch Spike rant. He tells her that this is just the warm-up act, and when the headliner comes, all of this will come tumbling in death and screaming, horror and bloodshed. And he reminds her that from beneath you it devours. <laughs> Does he say it like that? Uh, just a reminder, uh, from beneath you it devours. And Yeah. And then he suddenly remembers how sad it is about the dead dog, and he goes sprinting away. Xander shows up with Anya. Nancy's like, I'm out for real this time. You guys are a lot. Xander's like, yeah, I don't have a chance with her. But he praises Anya for doing the right thing. But also, like, stop doing demon stuff, please. Like, it's so weird to be like, you did the right thing. Now go back to doing more curses. Yeah. He's like, yeah, this guy got stabbed. Things could have been worse. And she's like, oh, it will be. Because all the demons can tell something's coming. Buffy runs off to find Spike. She finds him in a little church, which is a weird place for a vampire. He's got his new blue shirt in his hand. And he tells her that the costume didn't work. So that really confirms that, like, he was, like you said, sort of putting on a show for Buffy and himself, pretending to be his old self, was, like, trying to keep his psyche together. Yeah. I don't know how he was able to do it, but he was doing it pretty well for a while. Yeah. Buffy tells him no more mind games, and he lets her know that that won't be a problem, because he's totally lost his mind. She's like, I'm here. I'm confused. I don't like this, but I'm listening, so tell me what happened. He tells her he tried to find his spark, the missing piece. He obviously means his soul, but he's, like, ashamed. So he goes to hide in a dark part of the church. He says he dreamed of killing her, so she just like picks up a little piece of wood just in case. The rest of the episode is basically a little poetic monologue about how he got his soul back and it sucks. And it hurts. Yeah. Like he's sort of speaking in riddles. Because he's William, a yeah, poet. poet. That's like the way he speaks, I guess. He's sort of like speaking in, in riddles almost. But when he mentions that Angel should have warned him, Buffy starts to piece together what's probably happening here. He's like, this is what you wanted, right? And then he asks the same questions like to the heavens, the universe, like this is what the universe wanted. He looks up and says it again. He says that everybody's in here talking, indicating like everyone that he's hurt, but also him and it, the other, the thing beneath you. So I'm guessing him is the demon that was Spike that we talked about. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's obviously got some kind of connection to the thing that's coming which I think was clear in the last episode. Yeah, I mean, he had a conversation with like six different people. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case, all these things want him to go to hell, he says. He explains in poems that he basically did this for her to love him, and he wants everyone to forgive him, but things obviously aren't going the way he wanted. And then, exhausted, he just like leans over this giant crucifix and starts to sizzle, asking Buffy if they can rest now. I think meaning everyone he's got inside of him. He's got a lot going on, man. Yeah. The cross burning reminded me a lot of the episode where Buffy finds out Angel's a vampire and then they kiss at the end and she's got a cross on and when they pull away, he's got like a huge burn. Like he was letting himself get burned because he wanted to kiss her. Mm. Yeah. Spike just leaning on this cross is like, well, that probably is super unpleasant. Would that kill him over time? Or is it just like they don't like it? I would say that if you had a vampire and you were pressing him into a cross, 
after like hours and hours, it would eventually burn them up. But it would, I mean, it would take a long, long time. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a real way to kill somebody. That's the episode. Mm-hmm. Did you think it was a good one? So I don't know that it was a great episode, but I liked a lot of it. Yeah. I liked the simple plot that all kind of came back. Like, we have this boyfriend. This monster's chasing me. What is this? Oh, it's her boyfriend. Oh, it's chasing her because it's her boyfriend still. It's also a misdirect, right? From beneath you, it devours. That must be this monster. No, that's a separate thing. Also, like, a tremor creature, Graboid. It's kind of a fun monster we haven't done yet. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that it seemed like this was, like, related to the Hellmouth or whatever. But it kind of was just a totally separate monster. Yeah. I like the callbacks to previous episodes. They do that a lot this season. Uh, Like, when... Principal Wood is just talking about, like, you know, be careful, the kids will eat you alive. And she's like, you hear about Flutie, right? Like, that's a nice reference to Principal being eaten. Did he not hear about Flutie? I don't know. He doesn't respond. I mean, He reads a lot of files. <laughs> you think they would have mentioned that to him? Like, he knows nobody wanted this job. Yeah. I don't know what his thing is. I, again, I don't think he's a big character. I don't know that we have to worry about him. He might not be in very many episodes. <laughs> I'm not gaslighting you, baby. I'm not. Um, it's a contained episode. I think there's logistical problems. Like, why are we letting Anya do vengeance? What? Seems like you shouldn't. And I feel like the show, well, that's a spoiler. But it's troublesome. But I kind of liked the simplicity of it. I really liked the last scene with Spike in the church. Yeah. It reminded me of Sleep No More. Yeah. Which is a show here in New York City. Yeah, but that show is a reference of other things. Like, what? Hamlet? No, Macbeth. Yeah, so I mean, Macbeth, but other things, too. Uh, so I, I really liked it. I liked how she was, like, not sure if she was going to kill him or what was going to happen. So, and I liked James Marsh's portrayal of, like, an insane spike. Oh, yeah, he had a ton to do this episode. He's really yeah. good. Yeah. And I liked Dawn being like, if you touch my sister again, like, I'm going to hurt you. That was all well done. You kind of said it quickly, but she's all like, you sleep, right? Vampires sleep? He's like, yeah. And she's like, well, that's when I can get you. Like, Yeah. She also could stake him in his sleep. Yeah, but it sounds like she wants to do more than just kill him. She wants to hurt him. True. So, yeah, I would say it was pretty good. Not amazing, but not bad. Especially since it's one of those, like, episode two, we're setting up the whole season. I mean, the show's clearly laying groundwork for something. Yeah, I was really bummed when it ended. Because we got, like, some more Spike explanation, but still not really all of it. That last scene, though, was really good. I like Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance, like, watching him. I feel like she does a really good job of, like, reacting emotionally to him. And he was just great. It's interesting that it wasn't really about you're beneath me, which is what Buffy and Cecily both said to him. Right. I mean, maybe that there were hints of that there, since he's that character again, sort of. Yeah, I think it was more hinted at, and they just never said the words, you know? Because mm-hmm. she treats him like, we're over, we're not together, you're a piece of shit for what you did. But yeah, I'm very interested to see what their relationship's like going forward. Oh, man. She's probably going to want to help him, because he's obviously going through some stuff. Yeah, and Buffy can't help but help people, because she's a hero. And he's got, like, a hard connection to this bad thing. I don't know that she's aware of that, but... He said it, though. Yeah, I don't know that she knows exactly what he's talking about. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'd ask some questions. Okay, but now we have a bigger question. Which do you think was better? Uh, I feel like immediately after watching, I thought it was Gilmore, but I think maybe Buffy. Yeah, I think... I'm gonna go with Buffy, too. The whole... Everything with Spike was, like, really enjoyable, and he was so good. But it's not like a blowout. It's, it wasn't yeah. like a crazy amazing Buffy. No. And Gilmore had, I really like Rory getting mad at her mother. That was cool. It was a good mm-hmm. like drama scene. But like, uh, Gilmore was funny too. I'm going to go Buffy. That last scene with Spike and Buffy is really good. Yeah, I, I know. I, after rewatching, I was like, no, I think Buffy's probably better. 
I think Buffy just like left me slightly unsatisfied where Gilmore was a little bit more fun watch. Sure, yeah. I mean, Buffy's trying to build mystery and intrigue and Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. is not doing that. Okay, well, Buffy it is. Buffy it is. It's not a hard Buffy. No. It was one of those ones where neither of them was amazing. So it's not like, oh, it's hard to choose. It was like, yeah, they're both all right. Yeah. But both had good parts. Neither was bad. I think if Alexis had less makeup on in that scene, I would have gone Gilmore. But <laughs> if you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 7, Episode 3. Same time, same place. That's the name of the episode. But we'll also be <laughs> here on Tuesday. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 7, Episode 3, Lorelai's First Cotillion. Hmm. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode discussed in this podcast. How did you feel about the news that Lane was pregnant? What do you think Giles is going to do now that Willow's gone? Just hang out with his horse? Do you think he was like wanting to have a party? And she's all like, I'm not ready. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. I'm having people over. <laughs> Why do you think they're letting Anya continue to do vengeance? Because they think it might be fair? Like, what is the rationale? Did you think Luke was too mean or do you think it was justified? What was your first time like? Was it really bad? Was it on the beach? You don't there crabs? have to answer that. You have to answer it. It's not even, you have to. You either answer or you stop listening. <laughs> Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing by the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming podcast. It really helps us out. Yeah. We need more Clem. Yeah, where's he? I don't know. You know. He probably won't come back this season. He has to. Girl, you have no idea. Imagine a world where Clem showed up in season two and had the Spike storyline. He has the Spike storyline? Yeah, like if he showed up in season two, (laughs) was super beloved, and then he just like- But he's evil. Yeah, but like fun. I like the idea of him in school hard, like twirling, like a pull around, like looking to kill Buffy, like trying to be badass. Him and Drew fucking love each other. Uh, Can you imagine Drew, the actress, like has to kiss his gross, droopy face all the time? (laughs) She leaves him for Angel immediately. Everyone's on board. (laughs) Clem, if you're out there, come over. Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.